and welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. So be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, my name is Sage. You can find me on TikTok and Twitter at Sage Sindula and I use she, they pronouns. Hi, my name is Claire. My pronouns are she, her, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Claire Kreez. Welcome back to our little Fulcrum Transmissions after show. Uh, We're going to be talking about Andor. We haven't done an Andor episode in a minute. I think it's been like two weeks because last episode, well, we all know what happened last episode. Um, Thank you for listening to that. Sorry. Uh, Anyways, I think that... um, we're going to be talking about episode five, maybe. Is that even true? Are we talking about six through nine? We did so four and five like three weeks ago. So go listen to that. Right. Um. So we'll be talking about six through nine. I need everyone to know that it's 830 in the morning my time right now. I just woke up. <laughs> I just woke up. But yeah, we're going to be having a really good time talking about these episodes because uh, Andor is really good. So we'll have some good thoughts for you. I don't remember what happened in a lot of the episodes. I do remember this when this past Wednesday's episode, however, because I have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, but yeah, let's get started with episode six. Oh God, I have so many thoughts about episode six. I don't even know where to start. So episode six was the end of our second little arc, which is kind of weird that we're including it all together, but it's fine because then we'll be all caught up and it'll be great. But yeah, so this was the episode where they actually did the heist um spoiler alert people died like a lot of people like it was really bad and it was really bad for me personally because Nemec did not make it out alive which I said he wasn't (laughs) going to like I said it aloud I think on this podcast but I said it so many times he was the most killable character. Like I he came on screen and I was like, uh, a dead man. A but dead here's man. the problem. Killable characters are the ones that I love because they're just little guys. Like most, like 90% of the time, the mm-hmm. most killable character is just the little guy of the group. And I'll always love them. But yeah, he was looking very killable from literally the second he entered the screen. I was like, oh. Um, but yeah, he did unfortunately die. Um I did cry like it was really bad I for context I I've been watching the episodes because I have a morning class on Wednesdays and I have an afternoon class so I would watch the episodes in like my little lunch break between those two which is like good because I'm like oh I get to look forward to that after this class and then I'm like hyped up before I go to my afternoon class except for when I watched episode six and then I was like literally crying and I had to go to my afternoon design class and I was just like oh my god like it was so dark and people were like are you okay and I was like no but I have a friend in that class who also watches and he's like he was like always behind me on Andor so he's like what's wrong and I'm like I cannot tell you but I'm feeling so awful right now anyway um he mm, he didn't even die like during the heist he died like afterwards like they took him to a doctor and he like didn't make it and I was like why would you give me hope like I thought that he was gonna pull through um but he didn't and also he gave Cassian his little like manifesto thing I would love to know Does what's he in read there it? Has, has Cassian even read it yet 
I don't know, but I need him to. Also, I don't even know where it is because he's in prison now. I think I know where it is. I think it's in the shower. Remember? (gasps) He put... He did put it on the... Uh-huh. It is. Yeah, probably it. I know you literally got arrested, but keep that shit on you. Oh, my God. Anyway, sorry. That no, was so if mean. If he didn't put it in the shower, it would be burned. Like, they got nothing. Yeah, I know. That's why. And I know it didn't just get destroyed. They wouldn't do that to, to me. But, like, <laughs> where... I Yeah, because my thought was maybe he gave it to Marva, but he no, probably kept it with him. I don't think he would oh, leave something God. in Marva's possession that could get her, like, hurt. That's true. Way. Especially because she's already, like, I'm a rebel. So true, girl. Like, I love her. I'm literally no. obsessed with her. Well, in, in a broader sense, this um, Aldani heist that has happened um, in this last episode basically has has started what we know the rebellion to be, right? We have, um, I, from our knowledge... Uh, as as fans of Star Wars and as people who have read basically everything, the rebellion started as a few little cells here and there, um, and now we're getting to see this larger network of people. Um, starting in this is the year in. Are we in five BBY? Yeah, five BBY. Like I remember, including close to four. Yeah, this is a big year for the rebellion, for the start of the rebellion, because all of these cells are starting to get, connect together. Um, and I think that this heist and the payoff that um, the Aldani rebels like were able to establish was um, such a huge moment in order to start this bigger network that uh, we've been talking about. Because you know, what what does a rebellion what does a rebellion effort need? Money money and that's just like you can't you can't have any kind of organized system without money and that kind of brings us to what mon mothma has been doing this entire time because she is gathering funds for the rebellion and she's gathering it secretly um but you know there's this one scene that i'm obsessed with and where she says like because basically this front that she's been putting on to to the imperial senate is like oh i'm an irritation like i just want my little things done and blah, blah blah but then she says as long as they think i'm an irritation they can't see what i'm really doing or something of that of that sorts um so true this is this is we're gonna have a lot of discussions about women in today's episode um when do we not but <laughs> that was the first moment where i was like Oh my gosh, this is how, you know, the, you know, the little let's make misogyny work for us kind of thing. That's literally that. Like she really is portraying herself as this like very like irritating woman who just like wants these little things that the the empire doesn't care about. And she's making it work for her. So true. So true. Um, because she is she is literally founding this organized rebellion um that is slowly spreading across the entire galaxy and will ultimately lead to the downfall of the empire um so yeah let's just all remember that let's just all remember the woman of the rebellion because we would be nowhere without them and it's so like like there's so many layers to that too because it's like yeah we have mon mothma who's the person who's like funding this entire organization right now and then on like 
kind of the reverse side of that we have these people like Vel and Sinta who were like there on Aldani as a part of this very first like major act of rebellion and like major success for the rebellion um and I don't know I just love that we're getting to see how like women have kind of been at the forefront of this rebellion on all levels specifically because this is a Rogue One tie-in and while it is about Cassian we also have to think a lot about Jin Erso and like what she did for the rebellion and how she literally went from being like some person who like couldn't care less about the rebellion to literally dying to make it what it ended up being and for the success like the eventual success of the rebellion um and so I like that we kind of have both sides of it like we have people kind of more like her like like Sinta who are just seemingly like one person in this whole effort but like the things that they're doing actually are making a real impact and are going to lead to what the rebellion ends up being and then we have people like Mon Mothma who are who are also a little more like behind the scenes like she can't be publicly supporting the rebellion because she would literally get fired and probably executed and like it would put her entire family and her entire planet at, at risk and we know that she doesn't publicly come out and support the rebellion until much later um not much later like four years probably but anyway the point is women yeah women, <laughs> i was gonna like, say something else after that women. but i forgot so just women i don't know if it's this episode i don't think it is uh but kind of moving on we the next episode we're reintroduced we see the girl again fix love her Ugh. We already know. We already know how much we love her. She has a very interesting role in this show. While I do love her, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I feel like I need to, like, the season needs to finish for me to be, like, have a good stance on what her character's, like, overall purpose is. Right now, I'm like, she's she's a badass. She's really, like, doing the work on her own planet in, in a way that she knows how. Like, it's a very... um. I really enjoy how she is the, like, I really enjoy how she's, like, the common citizen who can't do much because, A, she doesn't have funding, you know, she it doesn't have a network of, of people um, who are in privileged positions in which they can organize some kind of rebellious effort in, and also, she's not really a part of the rebellion, like, it's very accidental for her. Um, at least from what we know now, you know, she, she's a business owner, um, and she smuggles things out of the empire technologies and sells them for money. Um, and I think that's kind of how it started, but also she knows that her, her contact is, is a part of some kind of, um, anti-empire group. Um, I don't know if when she started, she was like, yeah, this is the rebellion. Like, I don't think she knew that. Um, but, you know, her acts, uh, her acts are acts of rebellion because she is um, stealing from the empire in order to make money for herself, which is fantastic. And I love that for her. Um, but I think that now she has found herself in a position in which she cannot escape the, she knows by now that she, this, organized uh, rebellious effort is something that she has no choice but to be a part of um and it's really interesting to me just like her character in general trying to get more of a read on where they're going with it yeah I agree I think that she's very interesting for the exact reason you said that like 
she didn't ask to be a part of this, which there are definitely other characters that have been in kind of similar situations of like, they kind of just ended up being a part of the rebellion because they didn't have much other choice. Um, but she is coming from a slightly different side of that where it's, you know, like you said, she she's a business owner. She has like a life for herself on Ferrix. She just kind of happens to be in contact, the one who's in contact with Luthen. Then when he becomes one of the most wanted people by the ISB, she's the natural person that they would go to, to in their like course of finding him. Um, so yeah, she kind of ends up being almost like collateral damage almost in their like hunt for Luthen because it, no one really intended for her to get caught up in this. She was kind of more of like the communicative person. Like she was just kind of like the middle ground of this whole operation they had going on. But now Cassian is in prison and like they don't know where he is. Luthen is is gone. They don't know where he is. And she's the most easily accessible person that has ties to both of them also. But here's what I, here's my prediction and also what I really, really hope will happen because we know that Cinta stayed behind on Ferrix after Bell went back to Coruscant. I hope that Cinta rescues Bix and then they are rebels together because I think that would be so awesome play of them um and also Sinta was not in this episode which made me sad and so I'm like what are you up to girly what are you the, doing I just realized that they were both on um Ferrix and then I was like then now Belle is back on Coruscant and I was like wait what happened <laughs> yeah but Sinta's still on Ferrix and also she said she was like they were like looking at the hotel that like the Imperials had taken over as, yeah. as part of their like investigation on Ferrix. And so I'm like, what if you rescued Bix and then you guys teamed up? Because I think it'd be so, so good. I just love both of them. And I think that they would get along really well. And I think that they could slay if they worked together. That would be really, I would really appreciate them working together. Moving forward. We had uh we have a Andor in in some kind of hotel room on some kind of beach planet. You know this series so is for the girls and the gays. <laughs> I can't. I just. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is. Um. Yeah. Not to like sexualize men on Maine or whatever, but sir. But we were all thinking it. It's the thing. Exactly. We I'm just being it. so incredibly honest and truthful with everyone right now. <laughs> Sorry, I believe in being like real with my eyes. <laughs> He's hot. Um, so, <laughs> period. <laughs> um, but that seems important because he's doing something in the shower. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and by something, I mean he's hiding information. <laughs> We record at eight in the morning more often. I think it's really funny. It either has to be like eight in the morning or like one a.m. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you get the best content. Anyways, yeah, he's doing something, something with the information. Then he goes on a little walk, um, and then there's some kind of activity going on where these guys are running away from uh, whoever is in charge, their imperial officials. And uh, Cassian kind of gets like profiled and is like, and they're like, oh, you're a, you're a part of this. And he's like, no, I'm literally a tourist. He wasn't doing anything wrong. Um, and they were like, oh, jail. Um, okay. Anyways, 
we did in that scene though see see little k2 units actually just k units oh my god my bad so embarrassing i am i was gonna say misgendering droids but i'm trying to <laughs> misidentifying the <laughs> class of droids for anyone who doesn't know k2so is a k unit it's k slash 2so <laughs> but we saw a little other their uh, imperial security units um and i we saw one and i was like oh my god a little guy and then he like choked cassian out and i was like sage you can't say that stuff like, why do you have to word stuff like that <laughs> anyways um cassian andor is now going to prison um the prison i think is called narkina five slay i love when i remember things um this prison is insane first of all and so genius, so genius in the in the way that these storytellers were like, okay, how do we how do we um, create an environment in which we can have like the maximum amount of order and oppression and um, basically like fear mongering these people like, oh, you don't get the work done, you don't get the work done fast enough, you're literally going to be electrocuted. Um, genius, uh, whoever thought of that um in the story in the narrative in the writer's room i'm not saying that in real life my god people people lately have really been um misconstruing the words of um women on the internet who are who are talking about this show so sorry i had to clarify the way uh, that i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> <too>. <laughs> anyways um i think that you know I saw a TikTok earlier. I gotta find who who it was. I just followed her. Um, there, there's this idea of um hope being built on rebel other way around, rebellions being built on hope. Um, and I saw, oh my gosh, please come up. I want you to say okay. So it's from Drea Reads on TikTok, and she made a little video about how we we have known from Star Wars that um rebellions are built on hope but there's this like kind of like weird thing going on with this especially this last episode and I I'm not skipping forward but it's kind of tied in these people their only hope is like we're getting out you know we're getting out and um eventually so we just have to do our work until we get out but as we know from this last episode nobody gets out and so the the empire of and the people running this prison are using their hope against them in as a form of oppression um and i think it's you know we have cassian in this last episode who is like oh like oh we need to escape we need to escape i need to get out of here um and our what's the guy's name the guy in charge played by andy Serkis. kino 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 Okay. Love my life. Anyway, that's not related. <laughs> you are so interesting with who you choose to be. In no. Life. Okay. No. Listen. It's not that I'm like in love with him per se. Right. Right. Just like as a character, I'm in love with the idea of him. Okay. <laughs> um. He is very interesting because he's like he's literally. I don't know how to word this in a way that makes sense, but the way that he is like, oh, if I just do my job. I have like favor and I'm not going to get punished and I'm just going to get out of here eventually. And I just have to do my own job. He is participating in the system of oppression in order to gain what he thinks is power, 
But what we know um, and what he now knows at the end is that um, no, no, you no single person, even the medic in this prison have power. Not a single one of them, because as soon as they get out, quote unquote, they just go to another floor. And then when people figure that out, what happens? They all get killed. Gosh, I can't believe people can literally be like, wow, the Empire, they were kind of right. Imagine being so incredibly dull and dumb uh, and having no critical thinking skills. Could not be me. This last episode was so crazy. I think we're missing a lot of stuff that happened in between. I will say, yeah, I have so many thoughts about the prison on Narkina vibe. First of all, I was laughing so hard because someone did a side-by-side comparison of pictures of the literal prison and pictures of the Galactic Star Cruiser hotel rooms, and they're like the same rooms. Anyway, that is oh, so, funny. so funny because they have the same like orange and white. And yeah. it was basically like, oh my why God. does the Galactic Star Cruiser look more like the prison than any other thing that we've seen in Star Wars? I was like, <laughs> anyway, um, that's not really related. Also, this is also unrelated. Um, but the stuff with the prison really reminds me of the TV show Severance, which I'm currently obsessed with, starring Adam Scott, love of my life. Um, and they just started shooting season two. But I've been watching episodes of Andor with my friend who also watched that show. And like every time something happens at this prison, we're like, this is giving severance. Um, so go watch that show. It's really good. Adam Scott is in it. Anyway. Um, but in terms of the actual content of the episode, yeah, I this idea that like they're just recycling prisoners from one floor to the other, like it's not shocking to me that they never let them out. And like, even, even before we knew for sure that that's what was happening, some of the various prisoners were like, we're never getting out of here. Like, I think Melshi is the one who says it to Cassian when he first shows up, basically being like, you're here until they don't want you anymore. Which, uh, there's also this really interesting thing of, of like, Melshi being the one who's like, kind of speaking the truth right now. And then Kino basically trying to like, shut him up because they'll literally like die. But then the, like in this most recent episode Cassian being like they're not listening to us um because the whole idea is that the empire wants everyone to think they're being like watched and recorded and listened to all the time but once you once you prove that enough everyone starts to believe that it's true even if it necessarily isn't the reality is that they're not going to be listening in on every single conversation that everyone in this entire prison system is having because there's not enough people for that and it's huge like there's several floors in just this one like compound and there's multiple of these compounds on the planet and we know that like the prisoners outnumber the guards and so there's no way for them to actually be doing that but just the possibility that they could be is enough to keep people in line especially when you like see firsthand the consequences every single day of like not doing your job and now they know that like an entire group just got killed because they learn like the truth about this facility also side note the actors in this show where are the emmys where are the emmys it's crazy it's so good like specifically i'm thinking right now about there's a scene i mean we all know andy circus is like a really good actor anyway so i wasn't like shocked like wow he's actually really no we already (laughs) knew this but there's it's the scene right where they find out um that all the people on two got killed for finding out that they were like transferring prisoners back to other floors um and it's like the shot is like just of him talking to everyone on the in the bridge about like 
it's just a rumor. We don't actually know anything. But like the acting, it's it's crazy. Mm. Like I was like, y'all are so talented. And it's not just him, too. It's like every single person in the show. Like obviously Diego Luna, amazing. We all know this. But like literally every single character, even ones that are like for purposes of the show, like side characters or like minor characters are literally acting their ass off. And it is so nice because I think this show really requires that in a way that like even on a higher level than some other Star Wars shows do that like it's very serious um, and it's a little bit darker and we've talked about all of that stuff before. And so it, it requires like a high level of acting to be able to pull it off and to like come across to the audience the way that it's supposed to. And I think that literally every single person in the cast is putting in the work to make that happen. Right. No, literally every single scene, especially in these like last two episodes, the like suspense and the way that these characters are like portray or the actors are portraying like the tension within um what is happening in each scene is so like my heart is pounding the entirety of the episode kind of kind of moving forward I um one of my favorite scenes in this last episode I think it was was um when they put a new person on the floor and they found out that the the elevator part the part that moves up and down anything that moves is not um like electro whatever sized (laughs) you can't get shocked if you're on something that moves basically um it was so good um just them finding these like little faults in 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 a in the system that the empire and the guards want everyone to think is perfect is flawless also, just the moment at the very end of this episode where, where Cassian's like, how many guards are on each level? And Andy Serkis' character's like, never more than 12. Okay, the chills that like went through my entire body at that scene, I was like, oh, it's so good. I, I can't get over it. I can't get over how good like the dialogue is in this show. Anyway, also when you were talking about the elevator thing, not to talk about the Hunger Games, but it's actually relevant <laughs> this time, I promise. I promise it is. Um, <laughs> But there's this scene in in Catching Fire where I'm just going to say characters' names. And if you don't know anything about the Hunger Games, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Where BD is telling Katniss about how the game makers have installed like forest fields um, and he can identify them because they like they like shimmer a little bit. And he's talking about how like occasionally like all the lights in the training room will flicker and stuff like that. And she basically asks him why. And he says, because there's always a flaw in the system. And I think about that line every single day of my life. Because and it's so applicable because it's like it's the same idea with like the capital and that versus like the empire here of like they want you to think that everything is so airtight and it goes back to what we're saying about like them being like listening in on you all the time when they couldn't possibly be doing that and things like yeah the elevator like can't shock you all these things that like are flaws in their system but no one is going to question them because they've made it appear as that there is like no way out and no possible gap in there in this like system that they've created in this like prison specifically but just in general throughout the galaxy like they've made it feel as that there is no way out of the the laws and systems that the empire has put in place when really there are these little flaws and that's what like the rebellion ends up exploiting and what ends up being successful to them literally because the way they destroy the death star is because 
Galen or so put a little tiny flaw in the entire system, but also on a more like smaller level, like things like Aldani, when they they use their like person on the inside to know like, oh, there's not going to be enough guards to cover all these things at once. So this will be our opportunity to slip in or like the Empire is not necessarily going to know if we have three or four of our people disguised as Imperial soldiers, like stuff like that, where it's it's so little but these little weaknesses like build up and that's why the rebellion is able to win in the end. Let's, let's, let's move on to what's happening with, uh, on Coruscant with Dedra and the ISB um, and the guy I don't like Cyril or whatever. Yeah. I, I okay. <laughs> this is so, so dumb, but I have this thing <laughs> with, this is slightly relevant. I have this like OCD thing um, where when people are eating cereal or something that has like milk and crunchy stuff in it, that if I like hear it, I like throw up. (laughs) And so I'm watching this episode and I literally was like, I know that there's probably going to be some important conversation happening here, but I can't listen to this. So I had to mute it and turn on the caption. He literally, like, slurped the milk out of the bowl in this one, too. Like, it was bad. I'm gonna gag. I'm gonna gag. Um, (laughs) Ew. Ew. Anyways. Anyways. I don't like him at all. Yeah. Okay. Also. Also. Okay, I'll give a context because I think this is so important to actually talk about. Um, There. This episode in particular, this last episode, there's a scene where Cyril, like, is basically stalking Dedra. What are you doing? It's it's creepy. It's gross. And like watching it, you're like, oh my god, I hate this for her. Um, which we'll get into her character in a second because I have so many things to say. But um, um, Brooke Bedazzler on um TikTok, love her so much. She posted a video about that scene and was like, this is gross. Like he's literally following her and some man commented on it and was like duh she likes him like how did you miss that no I shit you not I shit you not Claire some man literally thought watch watch that scene and thought oh she likes him (gasps) this is why I'm afraid of men be like like that scene is literally about you. I don't know yeah. how to tell you this, but like that you're yeah. literally Cyril in this situation and it's not a good thing. No, it's so... And and here's my thing with how good this show is, is that normally if a scene like this had been in a Star Wars show, I'd be like, oh God. But I actually trust this show to like not make it into that, make it into what some men seem to think that it is, um, which is really good because... It, and it's very interesting that like, she she's a woman in a much higher position of authority than he is but he as a stupid man still feels entitled to like wait outside her workplace and like grab her arm and say literally ass things to her and and like think that he can just get away with that exactly exactly messed up this show the the commentary the realness of it is blaringly obvious like let's let's not you can't even pretend that it's not and um and some people still nothing going on up there nothing going on up there 
Um, with that being said, let's talk about Dedra in this last episode. Because girly, it's so it's so interesting to me. Um, so basically, she is a a woman in a position of power in the empire. Um, yet we see her have to work twice as hard as all the men around her. She's very much so in a male-dominated society um, and workplace. And yet, I think that the first um, the first few episodes that she's in, we're kind of like not rooting for her, but I'd say there's a lot of like empathy there, right? And you're kind of like, oh, this is a very familiar situation. This is a very familiar feeling as like a woman watching this. Um, and yet we can still understand that she is a fascist, that she is somebody who oppresses people despite being somebody who is oppressed in her own circle, in her own workplace, in her own, in in her life, basically. Um, However, they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, And I think that this show is doing a really, really good job at explaining that and of like portraying that Um, because she's bad. Like she's really awful. And especially in this last episode, we see her torturing Bix, who is like just this common citizen who doesn't need to be being tortured. Like she does not know that much to be to be completely truthful. Um, And yet Dedra is just mercilessly torturing her because she can there's no empathy there right and um i i do want to talk about i think that camilla our friend camilla um her twitter at is camilla cecile i believe made a thread about this and then people in her replies were like wow how can you like sympathize with this woman like who is a fascist just because she's a woman blah 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 blah. like why are you rooting for her and it's just so so apparent to me that when women talk about their experiences and when women talk about how other women are portrayed in media that men and sometimes other women mainly white women will do anything that they can to just completely invalidate all of all of what these women are saying and it's so it's so like reading the replies to camilla's like thread and stuff i was like oh my god you guys are missing the point here because no nobody's here saying yeah i'm rooting for dedra i'm rooting for this fascist woman who is torturing an another woman nobody's saying that like not a single person what we're saying is that there are familiar experiences and that the show is doing a phenomenal job in showing how people who experience misogyny who experience any type of oppression can also be the oppressor in assist in in and work for and contribute to a system that doesn't care about them the empire doesn't care about Dedra. We know that. It's so obvious. She's there. They literally said it in the show. We're hiring more people like you. What does that mean? Oh, you're you're trying to diversify your workspace by putting a blue-eyed, blonde-haired white woman? It's so obvious what this show is trying to say about our society. 
and it's just going right over people's heads because it is such a nuanced conversation. There's so many little details in the show that correspond to what people on the internet are analyzing about it. And yet it is still so obvious. And the people who are who are invalidating these takes, these this analysis of the show are people who just don't get it, who just don't get it and who have no space in their brains for nuance. Um, very much is said that Twitter is a space where nuance goes to die. Sometimes people's heads is where nuance goes to die. And there's nothing I can do about that. Sorry, people are can't think about a piece of media in a way that um, corresponds to real life experiences, but um, that's not my problem. My problem is my, my issue, my purpose here is to just spill the facts. I think literally Denise, who's the actress who plays Deidre, said it best when she, she had an interview recently where she was basically like, yeah, she is a woman in a male-dominated work environment, and that makes you inherently want to see her succeed. But at the end of the day, she is also, I think the exact quote was, a fascist in a world of fascists. Um, and so, and and it's basically everything that you were saying about how, like, yeah, it is it is a very real and relatable experience to see this woman who we, who is experiencing misogyny in, in a professional setting. But we've also seen her and even before like now we've literally seen her torture someone but she also works for the isb and we know what kind of stuff they do like at like it was not shocking to me to watch this most recent episode and be like oh she's torturing bix right i am shocked like no like it doesn't surprise me the isb is agent there's literally a line where bix is like your isb that's the worst of the worst and i was Mm -hmm. like so true um so yeah, it's not like shocking when she does bad things, but it is definitely, it is, yeah, it's a, she's a very complex and nuanced character. And that is why I think it's so interesting that people will be like, I like her character. And someone's like, you like this fascist who literally tortured someone. I'm like, yeah. think about some of the more popular characters in this franchise recently. No, literally. <laughs> I want to. Period. <laughs> I want to I want to know that the people who are who are saying I see the thing is is I have I have such a feeling that the people who are going oh how could you support her one it's not support mm-hmm. it's not support it's examination the people who are saying that are like who's your favorite character I'd like to know quickly could it name be- one other Star Wars villain that you like no I bet no, there's many seriously I'm like, and I have nothing against you for liking those other villains or for like liking the characters of those other villains. So why am I now being attacked? Exactly. Because I like Deidre's character. What's the difference? That's so, maybe it's, what could it be? Maybe it's because she's a woman. (gasps) No, maybe that couldn't be it. That's crazy. (laughs) And it's, I'm willing to bet money too. That a lot of these men are the same men who, after episode one, were, or episode was one, two, three, were like, guys, Cyril literally isn't the antagonist. Literally! I know for a fact that they're the same, <laughs> they're the same people. I literally laugh every single day. I think about that guy who made that video on TikTok. I don't remember who it was. I don't care. And it was like, and it was like a clip of like the last scene of episode three talking about how good it was. Or not the last scene, but the scene where like 
they're chasing Cassian and Luthen and and it was like shots of like Cyril and the other like corporal people and was like guys these aren't the bad guys and I was like that's so embarrassing that's embarrassing they're literally cops. Oh. <laughs> so I was I'm like guys the point right over your head in one ear and out the other Mon Mothma's daughter so out of left field but like girly I love you so much I do, I'm I obsessed with you. her I love her I'm so obsessed much. with like the I'm not obsessed with it like I hate it but like it's very interesting the dynamic within their family it's like there was a there's been a couple lines like before but there was a line in this most recent episode where Val like gives her a dress first of all Val and Mon Mothma being cousins I was yeah. on team Val and Mon Mothma related I know that a lot of people are thinking Val and Luthen were gonna be related but like this slays so hard anyway um but that's not what I wanted to say what I wanted to say was there was a line where Val gives Lita this like gold dress and then Mon Mothma was basically like your father's not gonna let you wear that and she's like dad lets me do whatever I want yeah and it's the same thing like and then earlier episode when they're at the party and she's like dad said to ask you if I could be excused like I hate that man so much when they were eating dinner in this episode and he was yeah. like, Val, when are you going to find a husband? Oh, oh, but, but you're like too old that no one's going to want to marry. The way, are the you way, kidding me? Okay. The way that he goes, when are you going to find a husband? And then you get like the shot of <laughs> being like, you're in. I had to rewind and watch dumb. it like three times. <laughs> it was so Lesbian, funny. like. <laughs> God, oh when God. will Val bring Cinta to dinner at the Mothma household? I I am I'm obsessed with that scene actually because never have I ever like watched a Star Wars show and been like, oh my god, that happens to me quite quite literally on the daily. Every single day I go to work and it's and guys are like, so when are you gonna get a boyfriend? I'm like, shut up. Ah. That no, it's another one of those things that like it's it's the same thing with like the way that like women are being portrayed in this series, the way it, it, that they have kind of incorporated like misogyny and homophobia into this world of Star Wars, but not by being like, I hate you because you're a gay person, you have a girlfriend. Like it's never that. And I appreciate that so much because like I don't need to see that. I don't need it, to watch never, that. It's never like a triggering thing. It's a oh my god, so relatable kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> And that is how you do it. And that is how you do it. Every every literal thing else needs to start taking notes. I really wish that we would see Chandrilla. The amount of Chandrilla characters that are in this show. Oh, yeah. And we've never seen the planet. It's literally the capital of the New Republic for, like, I don't even know how many years after its creation. What? Why can't we go there? Now Val is going there, so my hopes are up again. Because every time that Mon could potentially go back there, she's like, no, I'll just do it on Coruscant. No! Go back! I want to see! Anyway. (laughs) Also, that planet, like, traditions and custom-wise is so interesting. Because we we know that her and Perrin got married when they were, like, 16 years old. Yeah. Which is already a lot. But then the whole thing of, like, oh, you're so old, you need to, like, you. it'll be so hard for you to find a husband back on Chandrilla. Like, what is going on over there? Why was she a senator at 14 years old? Like, I would love some answers. And I would love for them to, like, go there so we yeah, can see no, what's up. Um, the, the role of children in Star Wars is always something that is so interesting to me. Um, 
and we can get into it in a completely different episode because there's not much but like it is a it's really interesting that um children are put in positions of power almost like traditionally um like Naboo you become a senator before you're 15 like that's like the rule is like like it's not written in stone or anything but they're like yeah the younger you are the better interesting like Padme literally ruled that planet at 14 you know what I was doing at 14 we don't need to talk about it um, not ruling planets that's <laughs> definitely not ruling planets <laughs> um, <laughs> but no yeah it's the same thing it's really really interesting to me that um yeah anyways wonder what that's reminiscent of but that's a discussion for another time I think we got through those pretty good pretty good yeah I think, I think our thoughts are pretty cohesive other than me being okay any final thoughts it's really good yeah um <laughs> I think yeah that- <laughs> yeah that's it no literally like it feels so nice to just be like yeah it was good yeah I liked it um especially after last week we needed a positive episode. we need a positive episode on fulcrum transmissions yeah um, it's it was not good for a second there luckily we have lots of higher public stuff coming up which we know is gonna slay we have more andor which has it's looking good and we're we not talking gonna... about the bad batch so <laughs> we're not no. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be our our negative episode um our next negative literally a screaming episode is gonna be our bad batch episode and why we're not yeah. covering our singular bad batch episode where right. we just get it all out there and then never talk about it again no right thank you so much for listening to fulcrum transmissions please feel free to send us questions you can dm them to us on twitter instagram or tiktok if you enjoy our podcast please leave us a rating on apple podcasts and spotify we'd really appreciate it we'll be back next week to talk about episode 10 of andor once again thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode